Welcome, everybody, once again to the Why God Why podcast. My name is John Amayo, and I am sitting right here next to Peter Engler, and we are getting ready for episode number nine of the podcast here. It's season one, and we're diving into the deep end here today with a with a question that maybe a lot of us have struggled with and thought through, uh, but really we don't talk about maybe as often as the thought crosses our mind. And that is, why, God, why is there a heaven and hell? Or maybe if you want to reframe that question, why is there an afterlife or is there an afterlife? Like what we, we kind of dive into all angles of this question. And we have someone with us today that really does a great job of explaining some and maybe looking at it in ways that you have never thought about it before, which I, I really appreciated about this conversation. Peter, you want to introduce our guest for today? Yeah, Steve Pelton is a great friend of mine. Currently, he is a professor of philosophy and critical thinking. And I just think that what Steve brings in the classes that I've taught is he's able to share with you all sides of an argument and help you realize just to lay out the facts. And so one of the things I appreciate is his attention to detail, but also just his precision of handling this question. This episode by far is one of the most difficult um, because, you know, whether we realize it or not, we do have a belief of the afterlife, Um, whether we do or we don't believe in it. um, There's something about that. And I think Steve handles this with care that it's going to leave you thinking that you were in a class with one of your favorite professors. Definitely. So let's all go to school together with uh, Steve Pelton, shall we? Let's go. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Harry Gibbs. I'm a member at Browncroft, and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Peter Engler, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Today's topic is Why God Why Is There Heaven and Hell? Before we welcome in today's guest, let's take a moment to summarize what we mean with this question. So, Peter and John, what's the good baseline for us to start with? You know, whenever a question like this gets asked, I immediately go to like Looney Tunes or any movie, like there's there's the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. I'm going to probably be wrong, but I think that comes from Dr. Faustus, but... Anyways, it does. It does. so there we go. But um, but basically this question, I think it eludes us. And I think there's been a lot of misuse of instead of inviting people to experience life change with Jesus, it's been a way of guilting or shaming people. Either heaven's so great, you got to be there or, you know, you're living, you know, like hell. And, you know, I'm even thinking of uh, the Billy Joel song right now. Um only the good die young. Gotcha. So I was thinking we didn't start the fire, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm good. That was all. That was all. That was all. Yeah. That was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at some level, this is something that we all deal with. This is a question we all ask. No matter who you are, each of us is asking this question at some point in our life. What happens when I die? What happens? And I think... There's so many different opinions out there that people have right now. Um, Some, it's just all your, the synapses in your brain stop firing and you cease to be, and that is it. 
whatever happens after that, there is nothing that happens after that. And then every religion has a different idea of what heaven looks like, if there is a hell, what hell looks like, you know, and and so... Uh, from the perspective of Jesus, I think, you know, we want to look at that and go, what does he say? Not all the cultural expectations, not all the baggage that we bring into this, but but what does he say? What does the Bible teach us about this? And what can we learn? Does it does it really impact our day-to-day at all? Should it impact our day-to-day at all? So um, I'm excited about our guest here today, uh, a friend. We, got, we seem to have a lot of friends on this show, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Steve Pelton, he's a professor and also somebody who is amazingly gifted in uh, theology as well, and someone who thinks deeply about things. And so it's going to be fun to have this conversation with him today. Steve, welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. great having you here. I, you set a really high bar. Now I, I, yeah. <laughs> I have to I have to provide some profound insight because I, I'm a, a deep thinker apparently on this. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. How about yeah. that? <laughs> well, so let, let's just come right out and say it. Um, so is there a heaven and a hell? And you know, share with us a little bit about your journey as not only a follower of Jesus, but someone that loves philosophy and just how how you've engaged that question. Well, is there a heaven and hell? Uh, yes, I do believe there is a heaven and hell. I mean, if I believe in Jesus, um, I'm going to believe what he says, and he does talk about heaven and hell. Uh, but it is still, it's one of those subjects that people inside the church, not just outside of the church, struggle with this. I think people within the church have a lot of questions because we we can't fathom something that is that is eternal and and is so seemingly foreign to everything we see, hear, taste, touch. Right? Um, when I think about you know how I've kind of thought of this over the years, I mean, you mentioned Pete at the very beginning about kind of the the Looney Tunes concept. I mean, I think we all start that way. Probably one of the reasons is because we watched Looney Tunes as kids, um, perhaps. But uh, but I think that's what usually probably st- for me that's how it started was these notions of kind of, um, you know, kind of a transactional type thing with heaven and hell. You know, you do enough good, you go here. You do enough bad, you go there. That's how it is in The Simpsons. That's how it is in comic books, whatever, every, that kind of thing. And and it seems to make sense because that's how our relationships work too, right? You know, when you're a parent, if you make your bed, you get ice cream. If you don't, you're punished or something like that. So I, I think we kind of look in that we look in that perspective from that perspective. So, as I've gotten older and as I've thought about this and I've I've studied this more, I realize that's not the case. And we know that theologically, we know that at least certainly with heaven, it's not something that can be earned, right? I mean, it can't be. That seems very very clear throughout the New Testament. Um, and I think that's for a lot of people still a bit of a struggle because even if you know that conceptually, and you think, okay, that makes sense, I guess. I'm a Christian. I've known that. Still, it's easy to kind of fall back into kind of pop culture versions of heaven and hell. And with that comes kind of this belief that, you know, I've got to be good enough or something. And and so even we know things like, you know, in, in Romans, you know, we've, uh, the wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We know that, you know, and it's by, by grace you've been saved through faith, you know, not of, you, not of your own. It's the gift of God. We know that, but still, it's still a bit of a struggle there. So I think what, what's been interesting to me is as I've realized that, that kind of opens up the notion of what heaven is. And at the same time, it opens up kind of the notion of who God is. I think the more we understand what heaven and hell are, I think we have a better understanding of, of who God is as well. And that seems kind of strange, but I think that there is definitely something there. So 
I guess the first thing to think about would be, well, what what really is heaven, right? If it's not Wiley Coyote and me hanging out, right? It's uh, you know, what what really is it? You know, we had this idea. It's columns and beautiful green, and everyone's wearing white. It's like Wimbledon on steroids, right? You know, it's just everyone's happy, and we're doing all these wonderful things. But but again, you stop and think, it can't be that for a variety of reasons. I mean, we're talking about some sort of eternal present. There is no past, present, future. So clearly, it's it's not something like that. Um, and the Bible seems pretty clear, too, about heaven being, in a very real sense, in the realest sense possible, the the full and complete and comprehensive presence of God, right? And so it's it's more than just, if I do this, if I do that, I will go here, and it's going to be awesome, right? We're going to do great stuff, and it's going to be like the world's greatest vacation. It's not that. It's the full and complete presence of God. But I think even that, for even the most devout Christians, is kind of hard to fathom. Like, what does that, what does that mean? You know, I mean, the full and complete presence of, of, of God. I think that that's, that alone is a bit hard to I wouldn't say a hard to swallow because you know we would we would agree with that, but it still is kind of hard to really wrap your mind around that kind of thing. So, full and complete presence of God. You know, the Catholics would say this is the beatific vision, right? This is the culmination of everything we've been doing. Everything you know, as a Christian, we're kind of pointing to, and so you're there, and it's complete. It's comprehensive. It's it's a level of communion with God that is really almost impossible to, you know, fully understand. So, um, I mean, that's, I, I, I guess, in a very long-winded way, that's kind of how I've started thinking about and looking at the concept of heaven. Hell is something else we'll get to yeah. that, I'm sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, man, I, you got the brain churning on this one already. And so I want to dive into the deep waters with you a little Let's bit do it. On, this, on this one. And um, as difficult as it as it is for us to understand the concept of heaven, I think equally it is difficult to understand the concept of hell at the yeah. same time. I feel like we need a baseline there too. Sure. So yeah. like you've given us kind of a baseline of heaven. I think we would be helpful to have a baseline of hell because again, sure. this is, yeah. you, you, I imagine like devils with pitchforks <laughs> or um, the other, you know, ACDC highway to hell. All my yeah. friends are going to be there too. So woo. And you know, sure. it's so the, these competing visions, even of what hell is, yeah, I think is something that that we deal with too. So, how would you? What's a baseline for that for hell? Yeah, I, I was actually thinking more Iron Maiden and not oh, ACDC. Right so, right you know, it's, yeah, that's um, fine. But but it's funny because I think we do have that idea as well, largely from pop culture, but also, frankly, from centuries and generations of of religious belief, even outside of Christianity, of what heaven and hell look like. I mean, you know, I don't want to get too Jungian, but it's kind of like if there is a collective unconscious, we have this idea like of uh, a collective conscious of of what kind of this afterlife scary kind of thing really is. So, yeah, you can, I think, again, we need to separate from kind of these more traditional looks, whether it's, you know, a Hieronymus Bosch painting or, you know, a 1980s heavy metal album cover, right? Um, that's kind of the impression we often get. But, you know, if heaven is the complete uh, presence of God, the beatific vision, right? The complete and utter comprehensive presence of God, hell is going to be the complete absence of God. And I think, in, in a sense, that's that's far more chilling than the Simpson version, right? Or the, or the version that we might have from, you know, literature or from Hollywood or something like that. So I think of it this way, you know, 
we have heaven and we have this is the goal, and this should be the goal of everyone, really. But um, and Jesus talks about this when he talks about the kingdom of heaven. You know, this is the the present and future reality. But the goal is ultimately to be with God comprehensively, completely, intimately. And we know that's heaven. On this earth right now, our reality is we are in the presence of God, you know, um, often, uh, maybe not as, certainly not as comprehensive or complete as in heaven. Um, you know, go back to Jung for a second. There was a, a, a line on, on uh, Carl Jung's uh, grave site or gravestone that said, bidden or not bidden, God is present. Mm-hmm. This idea that whether you like it or not, even if you're an atheist or something, God is here. You know, so there is the presence of God here. Now, hell then, what I find you know, most frightening or disturbing about this is that I, I'm not thinking of fire and I'm not thinking of demons and I'm not thinking of all sorts of kind of stuff like that. I'm thinking of something that is completely bereft of God, but in a very, very real comprehensive sense. So if we have the full, this is heaven, this is complete here on earth, even at our worst, you know, in warfare, in concentration camps, we know that God, at the very least, can be present, right? Hell is something where the, I, I look at it and I think God does not exist. He doesn't, he's not there at all. Now, this is where, you know, the skeptic or the atheist or someone comes and says, well, great, that's what I've always wanted. If there's some sort of afterlife, I don't want you Bible humpers around. You know, I want you guys, I want to do whatever I want to do. And this is where they, you know, paraphrase John Milton, ironically, a Puritan, um, you know, and say better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven or something like that. But I don't think we fully understand the implications of what that means. Just like we don't fully understand what it's like to be in heaven. But if we're in a reality of some sort that we would call hell where God doesn't exist, that means all the benefits that we have of God even here right now, even the atheist who might reject him, you know, being around people who are self-sacrificial or kind of whatever, um, and even not having that imprint of God, you know, that you see in Genesis chapter one, right? The image and likeness of God. Think about that. That's something to really, I think, chill your blood is I'm in a reality where there is no God at all, not even imprinted on me, whether I, bidden or not bidden, right? You know, he's, he's not there. I think of hell that way now. And it allows me to kind of, you know, I think it, it takes, it, it separates it from those kind of cartoonish images or the super frightening images that we get from, you know, movies or whatever. But I think the reality is far more chilling in my mind. So I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm painting such a great picture that everyone's going to be like, well, this is great. This church thing is even better now, right? I don't know. But, but I think we need to at least be very, we need to be honest with ourselves about this and understand what is it we're actually talking about. Well, so I, I want to, based on a lot of what you've said, and um, I feel like I'm in your class right now. So, I mean, this has been great. But Steve, help me understand, you know, I'm sure some of our listeners out there are like, it really doesn't matter because there's no afterlife anyways. Sure. What are, you know, you don't even have to go to the Bible, but even just what are the philosophical and logical implications of we die and there's nothing else. Uh, what are the implications of that if there's nothing else? Well, I mean, I mean, if you think about that, if this is all we have and there is absolutely nothing else, there, right out of the gates, I start thinking, what's the point of anything we do here? 
Now, not, that shouldn't be our guiding principle, like I'm just worried about heaven and hell, therefore I'm going to be a great guy or I'm going to be very kind and I'm going to feed the poor or something like that. But I think right out of the gates, if, if there is nothing after this, and again, I, I, I hesitate to get too much into that just because I, I don't want people to start assuming that heaven and hell are just reward punishment, you know, and it's just like, because that can lead us then to, I can somehow earn heaven. And that's not the case. And we know that's not the case. But I think if if we go into this thinking, there is nothing afterwards, and I'm basically just a candle that's just blown out in the end, it's hard for me to find any purpose. Like, I mean, I can say I find purpose, but I find purpose in something that is, it's, that's here one day and gone the next. It doesn't really matter. Now, I, I would say that that's not just, I mean, it, it, this is the worldview of a, a complete materialist, somebody who who sees nothing beyond this, sees nothing of the transcendent anywhere. Um, and from my perspective, at least, now I'm biased because I'm not from that perspective, it's hard for me then to to try to find any like transcendent purpose in anything. You know, I mean, that's, I, I think the logical implications of that are really, what's the point in anything you do at all? You know, I, I, I think, but again, that's, that's not just heaven and hell, but I think that that kind of speaks to that point. If there is nothing beyond this, nothing at all, and what we're really saying in saying that there's no heaven and hell, we're actually saying there's, there's nothing beyond the material at all. There can't be, right? Then, you know, it's not even just what's this all for. It's, you know, I'm, I'm serving absolutely no purpose. I'm just well-ordered chemistry and nothing else, you know, and that's a, I don't know. Again, from my perspective, that kind of freaks me out to even think that way too. Like, boy, that's a that seems pretty bleak. But you well, know, a lot of people do think that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I know you're somebody who who thinks deeply about things. And I, I imagine that for you, Steve, this isn't something that you just kind of stumbled upon one day and you're like, well, okay, here's the answer, and that's it. You know? Oh no. Um, I I you've come to these conclusions through a lot of effort of study and and looking at the world around you and looking at what the bible says about things and yeah. looking about probably other religions and and all yeah. of that like where has your struggle been as you've thought about the concept of heaven and hell like what do you struggle with the most in this process oh that's i mean that's that's a good question i um we were watching a tv show a while ago and it was uh um i mean it's a long story about the TV show, but it was, uh, there was a Mormon family and they, it was going through some situation and they just decided, you know, it's a big Mormon family, kind of traditional and we need to come together and I need to pray to Jesus about this. And I thought, oh, that, I kind of str- I struggle with that a little bit because I think, oh, that's, that's great. But at the same time, what happens to people who are, who are good, kind, loving, honorable people, but who don't share you know, who don't share the the beliefs that we have and don't share the beliefs we have about heaven and hell. And Mormons don't. I mean, they have a different, they have this very interesting view of a three-tiered heaven and then a hell that very few people go to. And and I, the thing I struggle with is things like that. People I know who are outside of uh, the faith and, but who are objectively good, kind people and and do have some sort of belief, but even those who don't have a belief, you know, who who really just don't care very much at all or, or or something, but who are objectively really good people, I struggle with that. Like, boy, is this even if I don't believe that the reality that they will enter in the afterlife is one full of you know fire and you know, their skin being flamed for their bodies and all that you know stuff that you might think, 
but just one that's absent God completely. I, I just, that's hard for me. I, I struggle with that. What do you, what happens? And, and there, I don't think there is an easy answer to that. I mean, there, there is, you know, theologically, we, we can look at the Bible and, and scripture and see, well, there are answers. This is Jesus is the answer. Um, but I think like personally and relationally, that's a, that's a hard thing. And, um, and so I struggle with that, and I've struggled with that a lot. And I, I, I know you guys are all nodding your heads. I think I'm not alone there. That is hard. Uh, ultimately, I look at that and I think, you know, this is where faith in God really kind of has to show itself. Um, better he be their judge than me, right? I mean, he knows their hearts, and he knows their minds and their intentions, um, and I'll leave it in his hands. But, but that still is... A bit of a struggle. I mean, I, 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 that's that's a hard thing when you think about that because you think about again the implications of it. What does it really mean? This is something you know. This is this is not baseball. You know, we're we're talking about something very serious and 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 very um, something that doesn't end. Steve Pellin is our special guest. This is why God, why is there heaven and hell? Is our today's uh, episode's topic? I think you're you're setting up well for where I want our conversation to lead to next, Steve. And this idea of, we like to focus on the individual who's in their mid twenties, you know, recently out of college, uh, still in a, a very unique identity situation where they're starting to really wrestle with how they want to identify moving forward into the next chapter of their life and answering these big questions. And I, I think what we hear often, um, I know, when I was that age and the friends I had, um, the questions they were asking, um, when I was sharing with them that I was deciding to go down a, a deeper path of faith with God was the idea that, well, you can't hang out with me cause you would say I'm going to hell. So I really have no time for you. Or, um, then I would hear on the flip side, as I entered into the church, the idea of heaven on earth and that is there really anything to um, assume to because it's already here, present, uh, living amongst us, as you briefly uh, touched on. So I guess, how do, how do we bring comfort and peace to those listening that are struggling to answer those questions and struggling to interact with family, friends, coworkers, that that's that's their pushback when they, when they talk about these topics? Yeah, pushback like, I can't I can't be around you or you can't be around me anymore. Yep. Um, well, I mean, look, if, if, if we really do believe in heaven and hell, I mean, it's incumbent on us as Christians to, you know, to, to tell people about this. But we, as we know, probably the better ways to tell people, it's not usually, let's talk about hell again, okay? You know, here, let's, let's sit down and we'll talk. More. No, it's not that. It's, it's loving them. It's, it's being relational. It's praying for them. It's understanding that this is long ball that we're talking about often. This is not something that happens right away. And ultimately, that we we don't convert people, right? The Holy Spirit does that. Um, but but you're right. I mean, that that is hard. I mean, how do you deal with that when you've had a friend, maybe you've had a conversion experience or you've just moved in a different path and your friend's basically saying, well, I'm one of those condemned, so why are you hanging out with me? I mean, I, I don't think you'd go out right out and say, well, all the more reason for me to hang out with you. Um, but you might be thinking that, right? But I think, uh, I, 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 you know, I think one way to really kind of... Um, talk to people about this is, I mean, first, first is, look, if you're talking to somebody who, who already doesn't really believe in God or anything like that, a lot of this is going to be a non-starter because you have to start 
farther back. I mean, it's like when you have a debate with maybe an atheist about the resurrection of Jesus. It's not going anywhere because they don't believe in the existence of God, right? So I think you, you need to think and kind of think about the people you're you're having these conversations with. Where are they starting first, right? I mean, do they believe in God? Are they open to this? Do they think that Jesus is pretty cool? Do they read the Bible a little bit or, you know, casually? And if so, when these topics come up, I think it's really important that, to, again, kind of try to unshackle them from all the concepts we have and then start to build from there. And, and normally, again, like we said at the beginning, you know, it's this reward punishment thing is because that's how we see life and reality so often is reward punishment. But I think the first thing is, is to really kind of understand what the Bible says and, and, and what that really kind of, what that really kind of means. I, I guess I, I look at it this way, like the impression that most people have, the assumption within the church and outside the church is that hell is condemnation and punishment. Essentially, God is taking you and pushing your face down and out of hell or out of heaven. You know, he's pulling the, the lever and you're, you know, the, you're dropping down from the clouds into, into perdition or something like that. Is that really the case? And this, this is where it's kind of hard. I, I think about if you have the, if you can't earn heaven, you know, you can't earn it, but it's a gift given to you. So you really, you accept the gift. I mean, that's really all we can do, Right. So in a sense, I, I think that that's something important that you can't earn this stuff. So people who say this, like, well, if I'm just good enough, you know, I'll get in. I think with hell, we have to look at things the same way too, you know, theologically. Look at what the scripture says, but theologically kind of tease this out a little bit. Is hell something where we're always being thrown, you know? Or is it something that, honestly, that we might be choosing? Think about it this way, like... If I'm living my life and I'm saying, look, I'm just, I don't have the time for God. I'm not interested in this kind of thing. I, it's just either I completely flatly reject it or look, I got more important things and this is kind of lame or, or whatever. You are making a choice to essentially say, I, I don't want God. I don't need God. I don't need to be around him. And is hell quite possibly you getting what you want? I mean, and people would say, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Why would God, a loving God, do that? And well, first of all, remember, we, we're not talking about something where there's fire and brimstone and, you know, all the tortures that you see in Renaissance paintings or something like that. This is the absence of God. And if we live our lives saying we don't really want God around, this is kind of the end result of that, possibly. That still is a hard thing to deal with. But I think that that, that different framework, I think, makes it a little easier, I think, for Christians who struggle with this to understand, but it might be easier to kind of explain it that way to people on the outside, too. I don't know. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's still tough. But you're not the only one to say that. Oh, no, know? no. It's C not unique to me. No, yeah, gosh, no. C.S. Lewis, uh, in his book, The Great Divorce. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Ex excellent. Yeah. It, it's all about, you know, the main character being on a bus yep. and like having all these outs and then still being there. So Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I mean, for those who haven't read The Great Divorce, it really is, um, you know, he says, William Blake wrote about the marriage of heaven and hell, and I will write about its divorce. And and so people have that, basically that um, they're, if they're in hell or whatever this hell is, you know, it's um, they have an opportunity to get on a bus and go to the outskirts of heaven to try it out. But everyone ultimately gets back on the bus and goes back because... That's where they're in control. That's where they're in charge. That's where they don't have to follow, you know, uh, follow God or anything else. And and I think that there's, 
I think there's something to that, you know, um, theologically. We look at this and we realize if we believe in a gracious, loving God, as we do, we know that his love is there and is always there. It's boundless love. We talk about this. We write songs about this, you know. But if it is love, it's something that can't be forced. He's not going to force you into this kind of thing, you know. Um, And so... If you're will, if you're able to choose it, I think you're able to also choose to reject it. It's just that the implications of that rejection is something that I don't think people are ready for. That is, again, a reality where God does not exist at all, and that's that's important. I think, and I think for that person, you know, Harry, like we were talking about, I think a lot of the people who would have problems with this have problems because they have a problem with this concept of heaven and hell. I mean, they have this wily coyote in heaven kind of thing. And, you know, hell is, you know, Homer Simpson being, you know, force fed donuts until he explodes. Right. So that was on the Simpsons once, um, I think, uh, but, you no? know, well, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think that that's moving away from that and getting a fuller, uh, a fuller understanding of what these things are is important. And like I was saying at the beginning, I think, I think that also gives us a fuller understanding of who God is, right? The goal is to be with him completely, comprehensively, you know, intimately. But you don't have to have that. You don't have to be forced into that. But you have to understand that a reality without God is not what you expect. I mean, a reality without God is going to be something that is, uh, it's, it's, it's something we can't comprehend. And I'd rather, I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not comprehend. So Maybe this is too on the nose and uh, pass it off to Peter and John, if it is. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I, I think what is tough is if someone's listening to this podcast and, you know, they, they feel inspired by the, the some of the words we've said, but they still can't wrap their head around the idea of, I, I want to say yes to this guy named Jesus you guys have talked about, but I also want to live, uh, let's just pick yeah. any sin we right. want to disc- um, live um, openly an open gay relationship. Okay. What would we, an- like ultimately how do we answer this question for them? And it does feel like this is that gotcha question yeah. that not only affects us in the church, but it affects those that we want to welcome into the church. Yeah. Well, I, I, you're right. And I mean, there are gotcha questions and, and this is the kind of thing that people like are almost expecting, I think, in especially in this digital age where you say one thing and it's viral yeah. in, in one good direction or bad direction. Um, yeah, I, I, in, in a case like that, I mean, I think, again, ultimately what matters most is I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the judge. God is your judge. You don't answer to me. You're his people. Um, it's a good thing that I'm not in charge of this. It's a very good thing that I'm not in charge of who goes to heaven and who doesn't. That's a very bad thing. Uh, it's a bad thing for any one of us to be in that situation. It's good that God is. Um, he's He knows hearts. He knows minds. Um, you, you, I mean, you, that example is one where um, that's going to come up a lot. People are going to say that. But you could substitute that for any other kind of thing. And the reality is, I mean, there's one sin's, I think, in the eyes of God, a sin is a sin. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're equally not good. Um, but... You know, we, we, it's easy to, and, and the Christian church for centuries has, has fallen into this, you know, splitting hairs about, well, if you do these three things or your belief is such and such, then you're definitely guaranteed to get in, right? And I think even 
in the 20th and 21st centuries, we kind of got into this too with as long as you say the sinner's prayer, and it's okay, that's great, you know, but it leads to other questions like, you know, I mean, we're not going to get into Calvinism and Arminianism, but, you know, I mean, that's, you know, how, uh, um, how good is too good or how, and that, and that's not a question. That's a question for another podcast episode, I'm sure. Um, but I think ultimately I'd leave it with that is just say, I, I'm not your judge. I'm here to, to show you love and to show you kindness and respect and, and to try to act like Jesus to you and understand this is what I believe. This is what we have as, as far as a revelation of God, you know, the Bible. Um, and this is something that I really think we should all live to, you know, aspire to, to hold to this and, um, and, and, and live close to this. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, there are, there are consequences for the way we live and act. Um, and, you know, the hope and prayer is that you do follow Jesus as best you can. I mean, as best you can. And, um, um, and doing as, as much as you can and, uh, and ultimately let God sort things out, I guess. Yeah, so uh, maybe just to distill it down, I think I, I'm, I'm putting myself in the position of somebody who's listening right now and they're like, you know what, actually, that is what I want. I do want to be with God. That's what I want. Yeah. Like, how would you explain then um, what that process is to to say yes? I want to know. I I want to know that that's where I'm going. Yeah. You can't. Can you know that that's where you're going, or is everybody just you know like is it is it possible to know? Yeah, I'm, go, I'm I, I going. I think I think it I think it can be, but it's. Um, I mean, I've heard people who are devout. You know, I remember, uh, who was it? Was it Richard John Newhouse or somebody, you know, um, Lutheran, then Catholic priest who, who even said, ultimately, in the end, we're not totally, completely sure until we get there. I'm like, that's kind of, I don't know about that. Um, but I remember as a kid, when I was little, um, asking my mom that once, like worrying, am I going to get into heaven? Like, is it good enough? Am I doing the right thing? And and she said, well, I'll tell you what my mother told her, you know, my grandmother, if you're that worried about it, you're probably okay. You know, I mean, if you're that concerned, like, am I really good enough? God knows that your your desire is to to be with him and he honors that. And I think it, it sounds like that's kind of the childlike anxiety, but it's not just childlike. I think a lot of adults deal with that. And that's kind of your question. And I think that's the essence of faith is, you know, God, show me what I need to do. I, I want to follow you. And I think he honors that. I really do. And so do I think that you can be sure as sure as you're telling the truth in that statement, yeah, I think you can be. Um, and and I, I take that on faith because I follow, I believe what Jesus says. You know, I mean, he has, you know, in the last moments of his earthly life and the two guys who are tortured to death on both sides of him, one of them says, remember me. And he says, okay. And that's basically what he says. You're going to be with me. I mean, there was no sinner's prayer well, let's recite the Romans road to salvation, right? I mean, there's obviously there wasn't one yet. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't, well, how well you follow the law or anything like that. It was pure belief, right? You know, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's, it almost seems too simple. Like that can't be it. There's got to be like two or three more hoops to jump through, right? I mean, come on, seriously. But that's our faith distilled down. And that ultimately is what's important is that that puts the power not in our hands, but in, in God's hands. And we have to have faith that, that he's going to honor that. And I think he will. Still, it's, it's kind of a, it's a, that's a jump. I mean, that really is a jump into unknown territory. It really is. But that's the essence of faith is that jump. Yeah. 
Steve, uh, we conclude every episode um, by bringing Jesus into the discussion and seeing what we believe he teaches us and how he would answer this question. So um, you will get the last word. Um, I'll let uh, Peter and John uh, go first. And uh, guys, uh, how would Jesus, Jesus teach us to answer this question? Why God, why is there heaven and hell? I'm going to go off the cuff and, and I might get in trouble for this. So if you're like a Bible scholar out there, I'm just asking for grace. But um, when I read the gospels, the biographies of Jesus and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it seems to me that each reference to hell has to do with people overly um, focused on money, rich people, or it has to do with religious people. And, you know, I don't know where you are today if you feel like you can't walk into the church because of, you know, just your beliefs or thoughts. But I think Jesus's table is far bigger than we give him credit. And, you know, when I think of heaven and hell, it's not about going to the good place or going to the bad place, like the NBC show that's on right now. But it's it's a calling to live a life that you were created to live. Wow, yeah. Um, the first thing that came to my mind, I'm going off the cuff too, so again, forgive me, Bible scholars out there. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind is just this this story that Jesus tells about the afterlife. And he tells the story about a rich man and a poor man, and they die, and he he does it in such a creative way. The rich man goes to hell and the poor man is actually in heaven. And now for the context that Jesus was talking to, that would have been unthinkable. That would have been crazy because to be rich was to be blessed. And that was assumed that you would automatically, that would mean, means you're blessed by God. You will go to heaven. And Jesus is saying, no, actually, um, it's not about what you are making it about. It's about something completely different. And um, I think Jesus distills it down to faith in him. That is what it means to, to be with God, is to, to say with your life, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I am making this decision. That puts me in a relationship with God, and I'm going to heaven. Like That's crazy, but it's that simple. <laughs> And Jesus kind of tells a story, and it's 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 mind blowing. He doesn't deny the existence of hell. He 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 acknowledges it, but at the same time, he kind of turns the ideas of the religious people on the on its head a little bit. And I think sometimes we need our our worlds rocked a little bit, and uh, Jesus is great at doing that. So um, anyway, that's just one of the things that I was thinking is. Last word? Oh, oh yeah. gosh. Okay. Um, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. Um, no pressure. And it's got to be off the off the cuff too, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, kind of echoing your point, Pete. I, I've heard people say before. You know, the my hope and prayer is that hell is very empty and, and heaven is very full, and and that's I think that should be everyone's prayer, right? It's it's easy to you know say, well, only certain people or certain denominations or certain beliefs. Look. I'm not the judge. God is the judge. That's a good thing. Um, and I, I, I hope I go to heaven. I see all of you guys there. And a lot of other people, maybe I was surprised to see. That would be, that would be a wonderful thing. Um, I, I, I come back to, and, and you kind of alluded to this as well, Pete, that 
it's not as much, I don't think that these are locations and, you know, heaven and hell. And I think, again, that's another one of those misunderstandings, you know, it's, it's up here, it's over there, and this is how it looks and everything. But these are just different realities and they are, they're all basically uh, dealing with, with the presence of God or the absence of God. And again, that's, for me, that's still hard. I still try to stop and think about that. Like, how does that look? But I think heaven and hell, that's what it is. Do you want, do you want to be in God's presence? I think he honors that. If you really, if your heart's desire is to be in his, his presence, I think he honors that. And you are in his presence in a way that would blow your mind. I mean, in just a stunning, shocking, beautiful way. If you had a poet, theologian, artist, and philosopher all together, they'd only scratch the surface with how this looks. Um, but I also think there's a reality where you can, you can choose to go your own way and say, look, I'm just, this is not my thing, or I flatly reject it or whatever. And that's, there's another reality there as well, and um, it's one that, again, we can't fully comprehend, but I think it is there, in part because Jesus does talk about something like that. Now, who's there, who isn't? Again, I fall back on, I'm not the judge, and that's a good thing. Um, I'm just trying to do the best I can to follow to follow Jesus and, you know, and hope and pray that more people do as well. Professor Steve Pellin, thanks for being on the Why God Why podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. If you have any questions you would like Peter, John, and I to address or just would like to comment on the show, please check us out at whygodwhypodcast.com. Thanks for listening.